Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's up, weirdos? Uh, very excited about this episode, so let's get right to it. First, just a couple tour dates. Chicago. I'm coming to Chicago uh, January 27th through 29th at uh, Up Comedy Club, upcomedyclub.com for tickets. February 1st, I'm coming to Seattle. One night at the Laugh Hole. February 3rd and 4th, I'm in San Francisco for the Sketch Fest. On the 3rd, 8 p.m. at the Punchline. 10.30 at Cobbs for a WTF with Mark Marin live. And uh, on the 4th at the Punchline at 10.15. And February 15th through 19th, Austin, Texas at the Cap City Comedy Club. February 15th through 19th for Texas. And one last one all the way in March. March 1st through the 3rd, I'm coming to Madison, Wisconsin for the uh, Comedy Club on State. Hope to see you at some of those shows. Love to get some weirdos out. Uh, also, here's here's uh, one short clip of stand-up before we get to Krolls. This is from the recordings that I did at UCB in New York. I always like sharing these. It's very brief. Uh, I am apologizing for its length because I want to get into Nick. But enjoy the clip. If you want my album, the actual album, it's on PeteHolmes.com, at P-E-T-E-H-O-L-M-E-Z on Twitter for updates about this show and live shows and other random things. Okay, guys, enjoy. A terrible memory. So I have to bring notes. I have to bring notes. Anybody have those friends that have like amazing memories? I have amazing. I have friends with amazing memories. They'll be like, they tell stories that are like, when I was three, then they tell a story <laughs> with details. They're like, I was prancing down the stairs, going tra la 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 la. My father was shaving, talking about Reagan. Like, I'm stuck on the three part. Three? I remember nothing. From that whole period, I remember like four sounds and a color. I remember panic, Christmas, and then I was 17. This guy's telling stories with three in them. I was a little freaked out today. I got a text from a number. You ever get a text from a number you don't recognize? Isn't that terrifying? Like you don't have their name in your phone book, so it's just a number just like, I'm here. We don't have to, like, begin. Can I get a little more juice on me? More Nick Kroll in the earphones? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it is funny to me. Uh, TJ was eating pretzels. Chris Rock ordered... what? He, uh, he ordered a regular iced tea. Mm-hmm. Let me run this idea by you. I think the new Hollywood thing is eating anything. For example, when I'm... Like, uh, Jamie Presley is on the show that uh-huh. I'm writing for. And we had, she's in, in incredible shape, Right. Yeah, <laughs> she is. Yeah, I know. She's got a very, very fit body. And a, I thought and a, she was known for her comedic chops. She's a, yeah. She is actually. She is. Actually, she does, does have, have a lot of chops. chops. <laughs> yeah, she does. I know what you're saying, but she also she she surprises me every every week with just how. Cho- actually, it's no longer a surprise. She's very choppy, uh, choppy. And anyway, we had chicken and waffles mm. one day because mm. it was referenced in the script. So the the whatever craft services made chicken and waffles. Now. I'm a weirdo 
you know what I mean, food-wise. Like, I, won't, uh, I wouldn't want to eat chicken and waffles. Like, I'm like, it's, it's just going to make me go into a coma, and, and it's fattening, and it's gross. But she, I, I noted that she, that she ate it. All the stars were eating it. You know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, that's the new status thing. The new status thing is to eat. Is to eat. To ha- you drink like a regular Coke. Like, that's the status move. Whereas, mm-hmm. I think maybe five, ten years ago, it was like, can I have a mineral water? Now people are like, I want a milkshake. Because then they want people thinking like, are we going to have the football game on during the interview? No, we can turn it off. We cannot. Yeah, we can. We cannot. Turn it off. I mean, we cannot have it on. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> off. You're right. So it, this just went from a conversation that I would have with my parents. Which part? With the football game. <laughs> yeah, well, I felt you pulling away. Yeah, because I was also uh, I was getting bored by your story. That story is really interesting. No, I think your observation that food is... I mean, I think food has always been a, um, a status thing, but I think especially now, as well as food is a lifestyle thing is and it's a material possession and you can brag about going to really nice restaurants and finding places and it's not like look at my lamborghini it's like yeah. look at my like you know egg that when you open it turns into like a foamy dust is that, is that a hawk egg omelet mm-hmm. yeah well I, I think i think that's interesting Where- and then also and then also i mean there's also like it's easy for people on TV to go and eat chicken and waffles because they have people who were professionally watching them exercise and cooking for them for the rest of the week. Yeah, but a lot of them balloon up. People blimp up. (laughs) I don't think think Jamie's going to blimp up. But you you understand what I'm saying where it used to be like very much like I only only eat fruit salad. Oh, I don't eat eat simple carbs. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Now now I see people eating muffins and stuff as if to say like, isn't it weird? Like John Hamm. Mm -hmm. I see John Hamm out. He's drinking like beer, like regular beer. And I'm like, what happened to the Hollywood like vodka tonic? Well, I think the truth is, is that some people are just genetically gifted. You think so? And they are the ones who become movie stars Ah! (laughs) and TV stars. And some of them work hard at it, but some of them are just genetically gifted. I know a few women whose bodies are better than anyone in the world and they don't work out. Really? They're just genetically gifted. Like, I, I grew up, you know, skinny or whatever, and then over the last probably, like, five, ten years, because of a lifestyle that is in, made entirely of indulgence, yep. my body started to thicken out. Lifestyle of indulgence. Yeah. Nick Kroll, the <laughs> memoir. <laughs> yeah. Half written. <laughs> um, and, it, and, and it, you know, it's like, oh, you need to uh, not eat, like, fat meats every meal. Yeah. And you not, you can't drink... Um, drink beer or you know sugary booze every night right and you have to go to the gym a little bit you go to the gym i know that i mean yeah i mean like controlled but you know From i also just mentally am like oh i, I actually need to go to the gym right I'll you mean slip it's my the, wrist in the bathtub you mean it's not natural i'm gonna slip my wrist in the bathtub this afternoon you heard it here first this, <laughs> this isn't gonna air for a couple months though so could you wait to tweet about it and then kill yourself that would be I mean, maybe you honestly. I would suggest speeding up putting the <laughs> delivery process out. You get a real housewives it up. Oh, geez, Louis. Or tease it and then you know really build it out. Well, anyway, this is obviously we're uh, talking to Nick Kroll. This is you made it weird, and I'm your host, Peter Holmes. You just made that weird. Yeah, yeah, that's my gift. <laughs> so we've we've toured together a little bit, Nikki, and uh, oh, we hit the road hard. We oh god, road dogs, you and I. We've done it what four or five colleges together. How are people going to feel about what I assume will be an echo in here? I don't know. I also how are you going to feel? I, no echo. 
I hear a trickling water. There's a fountain outside. Ooh. <laughs> Bathroom breaks? Out the window, into the fountain, is what I'm saying. Absolutely. You love shit food. I love fried chicken. You love take five. I like take five candy bars. You love bars. take five, but you can't... Why do I remember this? You can't beat a Twix, I believe. No, you, you can. You Twix. You can beat a Twix with, with a take five candy bar. Oh, that's the only one that beats a t- uh, Twix? And Twix is always, Twix is always solid. This isn't. I, I like candy bars. <laughs> I, I really like the take five. But if I eat them too much, there are periods where I've eaten them too much. This is so asinine. <laughs> this is so banal. Is it banal? It's just like uh, you know guys. what? Honestly, the five people that respond to your podcast, yeah, the some one, at least one of them yes. is going to be like, finally, someone is talking about the take five candy bar. I guarantee it. Is, it. It's an underrated candy it's bar. It's a weird. It's it's like it's like the Tampa Bay. Devil Rays, like they win the World Series, and yet nobody has any idea. That's that what they take five candy bars. Yeah, money. that they're in the major leagues. Yeah, you know what I'm troubled by recently, and I'm sorry, I'm so food centric. I don't know why. I must be watching some food documentaries recently. Is that? Yeah, there's that's a- what it is. You son of a bitch. <laughs> there's animal products in Take Five. I never think about that. Well, there's. I mean, beyond like milk. Well, there's milk and milk. Yeah, there's milk, but like it, it, it shows up in the caramel and new all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chocolate, and I just never think about. Like, it's just in there. Like, cow information. Yeah. You think of it just be... I, I, when I think of a candy bar, I think they take sugar and they whip it up in, like, a centrifuge and, like, a take five comes out. Right. But at some point, like... No, that's, a, that's what they do with, like, those energy bars or, like, you know, nutrient protein bars. Like, that's made in a laboratory. In a, in a way, because I'm like, oh, the candy bar is, like, not healthy. But then I'm like, those, like, crazy, like, detour, those, like... Yeah. Those things can't be... Those have to be worse for you. Mean you mean like Luna bars? Yeah. And such? Yeah. I'm just getting a little freaked out by animal products. I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. But I, I get a little bit concerned with where the milk from a corporation that doesn't give a fuck about me is coming from. Sure. Take five couldn't Nestle. They couldn't will shoot you as soon as feed you a take five. So I, I'm just like, what kind of rancid, like fucking anorexic cow? Just like, oh, please relieve me. And they're like fucking gray milk. And they're like, put that yeah. in the take five. And I just eat it while watching a movie with you. Yeah. And it, and it tastes just delicious. And it's so good. Because there's crunchy pretzels and, and <laughs> well, thick caramel. and uh, It is a thicker caramel. A nutty, a nutty peanut. Is there a peanut in it? Yeah. It's five things. It's milk chocolate. It's pretzels. It's peanut butter. <laughs> It's peanuts, <laughs> and it's um. Well, that that's a stretch. It's it's like a take four and a half. If no, it's yeah. peanuts and peanut butter, I might be. I might. I feel like it's take five. It's milk chocolate. Yeah, caramel. Yeah, pretzels. Yep, peanut butter for sure. Sure, and then I guess it's got. I think it's peanuts. Here come the at replies. Yeah. <laughs> At Nick Kroll on Twitter. Tell him what the fifth thing is. I know you killed yourself six months ago, (laughs) but I just have a comment on this now defunct (laughs) podcast. Write the note in a melted Take 5. That would be ideal. Would you please? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, you're you're, you're the best. Thanks for for doing the show. Okay, thanks. Well, this has been great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nicky Kroll. Do you want to get weird? Yeah. It's the laugh, man. What about it? It's just the worst. No, it's not. You love it. <laughs> I don't. I truly don't. Actually, you don't. I, I knew this about you. I'm, I'm one of the... I'm going to be totally honest, and this is where but we're going to do it. you make me laugh so hard. <laughs> I know. I know People, I do. It's a, it's a, so it's this a, is the great yin and yang of it all. This is the yin and yang, and it's a, and it's a dividing topic. I love, I, I love the... 
I love your sense of humor. I love that you love to laugh at the things I say. Yeah. But I just, the, the, the volume of your laugh drives me up a wall. And <laughs> I'm suppressing it currently. I know. I Can't you? No. How? I stopped <laughs> censoring it so long ago. It feels so good. <laughs> what do we work in an office? No. I laugh so hard and loud. It's a it's no, a but beacon we, but call. But we hang for... out at restaurants. Yeah, okay. And that's then you true. laugh that's super true. loud and then people stare. Yeah, that's true. Now, do you want people to stare at no. you? No. That I would, I, first of all, let me say I would fess up if that were the case. It's a true laugh. I believe it's a true laugh. Yeah. I totally believe it's a true laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been in cars early morning, and then mm-hmm. the first thing you've said was, no laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like, on the way See, that laugh to an I airport. Love. That was a good one. I mean, that's a natural, small, controlled laugh. Can I, t- I remember uh, junior high, like, everything is very sensitive, and, and, like, I would have a very controlled laugh. I was like, this will be my laugh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can remember being that young and kind of being like, this will be my hair, mm-hmm. this will be my deodorant, <laughs> and this will be my laugh. And then, like, after a while, I was like, fuck it. I'm like Ricky Gervais. I'm just going to let it out. I love his laugh. Do you hate his laugh, too? Uh, I don't know him personally. I don't know what it's like to go to brunch with him. Uh, (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) Or wait online in a movie. Every day I want to hurt you. (laughs) You're welcome to. You do every time you laugh. (laughs) That one's fine, too. It's the booming piercing. It's the booming pierce. It's the piercing, Pierce. booming Pierce. Yeah, Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> you know my bit. You yeah, know well, yeah, I, I do. I'm trying. Oh, to, I'm, do. I'm trying to remember it now. Oh, is it's it Pierce just, the name just, in it? Yeah, I just say Pierce. Get Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> get Pierce. Get Pierce. I like that. Andrea Rosen does it with me, and she'll call me and just go Pierce. It's I have fun. one with Andrea Rosen where she would go Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to control. I I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I don't want to censor no, you. No, no, but it's no, like no, no, it's like no, if no, someone no. it's like if someone perennially has food in their teeth, <laughs> you need to tell them. Yes, that's true. Or chronic bad breath. Yeah, so you it's have hard. to figure out a way to tell those people. Do you have any friends? I can think of a few mm-hmm. where you're like, God, this is kind of an LA thought, but like you're talking to them and they're like, you're like a good-looking woman or man, and you're just like, but your teeth. Look like corn nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like they're great. They're yeah. set up properly. Well, Could you please brush them? Please brush well, them. Well, there's there's the there's the color and texture of a tooth. It's hard to get over. Tooth. And there's you know some people genetically just have like weaker teeth. Is that true? Yeah. And so uh, you have to be uh, in in a way. But but bad breath is something where it's like just you know deal right. with just. Get chew some gum. I didn't realize I was such a teeth person mm-hmm. until like uh, sometimes I'll be I'll be talking to a girl and I'm like I, I couldn't pinpoint what it is that was so off putting about her and it was because there was trouble in that hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was just trouble in that hole. You're not talking about vagina dentata, are you? Oh God! The first time I heard of vagina dentata, I wanted. To I don't know if it's vagina, by the way, but thank you for just validating saying it your way. It's that Picasso painting. Have you seen the Picasso painting? I don't want to. It's a stone like. It's in his like. It's like a. It's it's sort of abstract, but it's this stone, teeth like vaginal creature. It's a creature. It's yeah. not a sculpture. It's a painting. It's a painting. And he painted a vagina with teeth in it. Yeah, basically. Did you see the movie Teeth? No, I did, and uh, my friend uh, Thomas Middleditch was like, "Let's go see Teeth," and it's about a girl who has teeth in her vagina. I was like, "Nope." And then he bullied me into seeing it. Then it ended up being quite playful and rompy. Uh-huh. But I don't need that information 
Vaginas are kind of strange, even yeah, though I you, love you're, them. You're already, of... you're already intimidated by that. Yes. Area. There are these mystical, strange things yeah. that like, I enjoy more than I even understand. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to be thinking about that. Yeah. I don't want to think about vagina stentata. I just think about mouths with labias. <laughs> Impressed. Thank you. What by the way... Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm thanks. like Michelle Bachman and her husband. I'm like, yeah. Push it down. <laughs> I'm running for president. Push it down. Oh God. I just want to <laughs> celebrate living, Nick. And I just want to do it at full volume. I want to ce- I want to celebrate with you. Yeah. I know. You want to be there with me. Yeah. I and have to never do that, been... I need you to not laugh. As loud. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to a lunch. With our mutual friend, the lovely Jessie Klein, mm-hmm. without being shushed. Because she makes me laugh so she's hard. Funny, yeah, she's she's so, so funny. And it's always in New York. Uh-huh. And we'll go to these tiny little things, mm-hmm. you know, like the size of a, uh, the bathroom in an mm-hmm. L.A. restaurant. And that's the restaurant. And we sit there. The chef has come out and been like, hey. <laughs> he didn't even have to say shush. He was just like, he, I got it from hey. Right. And I'm just, look, I get it. Let me let me say this. On one hand, I absolutely love my laugh. On the other hand, if I if you laugh right. that way, yeah, it would drive you up a. It wall. would drive me crazy. It would drive you up a wall. Just one of the many contradictions about myself I've discovered. You could. That's great. Yeah. Look, as long as this show helps you figure out stuff you about yourself, because that's what really that's what people want to hear. It is. It is. It is. It's what I want to hear. What is that? <laughs> what your you, little banana bag. <laughs> Your little insulin you know, banana bag. Remember, this is a podcast, so people don't know what you're saying. I just want to so say all they hear that is, you have a little bag on the table that looks exactly like a banana, and it, it, it's supposed to. It it's does, called Bananagrams, it which I've never played. It's a, it's like one of those like w- you know word tile games. It's a, a little canvas zipper bag that looks like a banana. It would be so awesome if you kept a banana in there. No, it's like a you know. Oh, this is good radio. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is to pretend like you're always on mic. Yeah. And then just pull back. Yeah, that's true. Like you're like controlling your, you, you just laughed. You maybe restrained a little bit, but more you just restrained by pulling, pulling away from the mic. Yes. So just imagine you're always mic'd, which that's I think true. you probably I- do. <laughs> Because I got to because I got to your response before you got to it. And you cut me to my core. You're cutting me to my core, and it's very delightful. (laughs) I actually really do enjoy it. Uh, What was I going to say? Anyway, Jesse Klein shushing. Mm -hmm. This is this actually goes back to how you and I. uh, (laughs) Oh, by the way, I do kind of. When I was a kid, I used to think I was on TV all the time. (laughs) Did you by any chance? Um, Martin Short talked about this. He he had a whole. TV career and a fake film career in his mind. And he talked about it. He said that he remembers being a kid and someone in his mind, in his mental interviews, Mm -hmm. do panel in his mind. Gotcha. And he'd be like, I just had to turn down this TV show Uh, because it's getting in the way of my film career. (laughs) And he's like a child saying this. He's a child. And then, you know, that ends up happening. I find that very interesting. I thought I was on a reality show. This is before reality shows. And I Uh think maybe I've said this on the show before, where I, you know, would talk to myself in the mirror. And it just kind of, like... Helped me justify life. I was helped like, you become the narcissist that you really wanted to become. You are really not. Cutting. You have flaming arrows, and they are getting right <laughs> over my walls. My walls are not high enough, and you're arcing them perfectly. But that is exactly how you want it to be. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We're on a podcast with my name in the title. Where Called I talk. making it weird. You made it weird. Nobody ever knows the fucking name of the show. Pete Holmes. People are like, weird. I really want to do that. Uh, weird times with Pat Helms. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Fuck you, man. No, Pat, I, actually, Pat's show is great. <laughs> <laughs> you got me with liquid. Do you want to? You is there, is there anything about me? Yeah, no, I'm I'm bringing that back to you. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm not saying like to uh, like. Is there anything about me that that drives you up a wall? Oh, yeah, but okay. Let me. I'm gonna. We don't have to do that. You don't have to. We can. We can. This is your podcast, and we'll. I just if I don't if I don't write it down, I'll never remember to bring it back to that. Uh, Absolutely not. I love you. I call you the king. I think you're the fucking king, man. What did I say? I saw you at the improv the other night, and I hugged you after your set, and I said, "You figured it out." (laughs) You son of a bitch! Um, because you caught a one. You caught one of those good sets. No, man. Well, that's very gracious and that's appropriate. That's right. Every comedian that kills that hard also eats shit. I do too. You mm-hmm. do too. We all eat shit. But I saw you, and it's funny because you have always been this guy who's like, I don't do stand up. I'm not a stand up. I can't say I'm in that camp. I'm a character guy. I'm a weirdo guy. I'm a UCB guy. I'm a Rafifi guy. And then I see you at the Improv. Fucking comedy juice mm-hmm. couldn't be a more juiced up. Look, I love that crowd, but it's mm-hmm. like a pretty standard comedy crowd. Comedy club crowd, and you went up. You didn't just kill. It would break my heart to see you kill in a way that other people are killing. Mm-hmm. You killed the way you kill. Mm-hmm. You went up and you did fucking nonsense <laughs> and characters, and you were uh, abandoning bits just to talk about the sip of water. You t- you know what I mean? You were improvising. Mm-hmm. You brought UCB to a regular club, and it was amazing. It was the best. Thank you. Well, I would argue that for the last, I'd say like two or three years, that there I made I've made an effort to to be to because I it's funny I don't I don't think of myself as like oh I'm a at this point I don't think of myself as a UCB guy or a club guy or anything I just am like yeah I mean I'm like I I do think of myself as a stand up as a, a comedian as a comedian <clears throat> so um, going to the Improv or the Laugh Factory, the Comedy Store, or UCB or Largo or whatever it is, it's all the same at this point. I love that. That's exactly what I'm striving for. Uh-huh. I, but I, I think hate... you're very good at. I think you're very accomplished at that. Well, I appreciate that. I I hate the label of being like, oh, he's an alt guy, or he's a downtown guy, or he's a room guy, or he's a club guy. It's like I think both sides have pervaded the other. You Not mean, always. It's all just bleeding into one thing. Yeah. Well, I think as 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 like all quote unquote all comedians you know find success in the mainstream then that mainstream audience becomes more accustomed to left of center stuff but the truth yeah. is is like there's it's i watch your sets and i'm watch my sets and we're just doing stand up i mean yeah. it doesn't matter it's just you yeah, know yeah yeah I actually sometimes sometimes people i forget who it was it was chelsea who comes up on this podcast too much i got to get more friends I need to get more. Well, but she's friends. an intriguing character. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. She was saying she was like she looms large in all of our lives. Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah, she's there critiquing, judging. <laughs> what would Chelsea think of me doing or wearing this? But good, yeah, it's that's smart man thing. of the people coat. Yeah. remember man of the people. Yeah, coat? yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to brunch, me, you, and Chelsea and uh, Joe Mandy. And I literally will dress differently because I know Chelsea's going to be there. I'm like, I have this thing that mm-hmm. I think is kind of fun, but like, I don't want to hear what Chelsea's going to say mm-hmm. about it. And you come in, and you're a sharp dresser. That's actually one of the weird things about you. And you're wearing kind of like a Carhartt-inspired jacket. Levi's, like a, like a tan Levi's yeah. denim jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Goodwill Hunting when they're leaning on the pickup <laughs> drinking beers. And he's like, he's yeah, sitting on a me. winning lottery ticket. Yeah, that's me. That's you. And you come in, and I, I, I know... Uh, oh. 
not to be uh, no to be weird. You looked great. You looked great. I always <laughs> love the way you dress. Nothing weird about and that. And you said to Chelsea, <laughs> you were like, "Oh, that's a colorful hat." Not even like a dig. And she was wearing like a, a hat that looked like a knit cap with a lot of colors in it. It looked like the shower drain and carrot tops. Uh, bath Bam. Bath. Bam. Bam. Luckily, she doesn't Bam. listen to this podcast. Bam. No chance. Zero <laughs> chance. Zero chance. And you just said colorful cap. And then she said, man of the people, coat. <laughs> and we proceeded to laugh for yeah, 45 minutes. She was absolutely right. And I knew it. I knew it walking in. That she was going to say man of the people, coat? No, but that that's what <laughs> Something. boiled down to that that's what this coat was. My, my attempt to look working class chic. <laughs> Um, I grew up in uh, Lexington, and it's a very white bread suburb, and we used to go into Boston and buy clothes like my dad would wear. My dad has a Carhartt jacket that's so covered in oil and filth Mm -hmm. that if you put a match, it would burn instantly. He is that guy, but I'm just his son. And I went to private school, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I want to wear jackets like my dad. We used he to worked hard so that you could be a, just a sissy. <laughs> I've never heard that laugh from my face. Yeah. See? So much was it's happening. It's all about evolving. It's about the evolution. Nobody wants the kiki. <laughs> Nobody wants the kiki laugh. I do. It's better than the boisterous thunderbolt. Yeah. Mm. The popped eardrum. Oh God, you're so good. You're so funny. <laughs> so let, let, I, I I lose track of what we're talking about all the time. Do you? We're, we were talking about stand ups and club versus. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And but, you're just a guy, and that I think that's so and, valuable. And, and I I'm aware that that could sound um, you know pretentious and bullshit, and probably sort of partly is. But but I also I, I see that with you as well. I think like I'm, I mean I think we're all. It's like I mean part of it is like you've. It's like we're ten year. I'm I'm ten years in. Yeah, I'm like entering my tenth year. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was my New Year's resolution in '02 was to do an open mic. Really? And so it's like we're ten years in. We've got our ten thousand hours. You or should whatever be doing pretty good. We should be doing <laughs> yeah. pretty well, and we yeah, should have yeah, yeah. started to figure out our voice. Right. When started people, to. You when know? people are like, I don't know how you how you. I could never do that. I'm like. It's, it's been a decade. Yeah, do something for 10 years, and yeah. if you can't do it, then... If you could see the footage of me trying and trying and trying and there's trying actually, and trying. There's actually, there is footage There is you. a lot of it, actually. Or there's that, the bombing set. Yeah, the bombing set comes up a lot. I yeah. actually want to get Bill Burr on the show, because he, he was headlining, and I was, that, no that way. set was me middling for him. No way. I saw, I, I was just talking to Bill about... Um, uh, about this, and he was one of the first guys I saw. One of the first like guys who I thought of as like a club guy came to UCB Crossover. and crushed. He's undeniable. And, I mean, he's also just an undeniable force right now. And um, but I think part of that is that he'll go perform anywhere. Yep. He'll go do Largo, and then he'll go to the store, and then he'll go to a black room, and right. then he'll go to UCB. And it's just like, and he goes everywhere, and he just does what he does, yep. and and is undeniably funny yeah. to everybody. Uh, That's actually exactly what I want to talk to him about. But I love that we're talking about it because I would be at the Boston, this horrible comedy club uh, that's now closed, and I would be like, no one could make this crowd laugh. And there's Mm -hmm. like five of them. And Bill would come in like a tornado, like a little orange tornado, Mm -hmm. and get on stage and destroy Mm -hmm. the worst room I've ever seen. And he destroyed. And it wasn't doing crowd work or some bag of tricks. No. He did his act and it was unbelievable. Yeah. And and I think that's what we should all be striving for is to move away from these titles and labels and stuff of being like uh, I'm I'm an old guy and it's just fucking make this crowd laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do it. Do it. Make them laugh. Cuz the all I look at it this way and this is probably something I'll say again on, on the Burr one. 
I look at clubs as uh, weight training, mm-hmm. and I look at the rooms like UCB as cardio. Uh-huh. Like a lot of guys are super fast, but they don't have any muscle tone because they can't right. do the laugh factory. No, a lot I, of guys are just meatheads that can't run fast. Yeah, I mean, I I found that I when I go to the the rooms that I feel most comfortable in UCB or Meltdown or Largo or whatever with people who grew up with the same exact point of view in the world as me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just a sea of you. That if I go to a club and work something out, then I come back and cru- and and do much better at the rooms that I want to do well at. Yeah. Um, because, because of the, resistance. Yeah. You just it's a donut also, on your back, but it's also just like, literally you have to get on stage, take a mic out of a mic stand and put it to the side. And you need yeah. to do that like a thousand times <laughs> until you don't think about the fact that you're taking a microphone out of a mic stand right. and putting it down. Right. Just the, the rope, the being yeah, able to, just to drill, not it drill, it about, drill it, not drill it, not thinking about anything. Yeah. And I, I think the clubs can afford us. If you only want to do your Largos, Meltdowns, Rafifis, you're not going to be performing enough to, to have that become part of your muscle memory. Yeah, I mean, there, it's all. I mean, everybody's everybody's paths and desires are different, right? You know, but it's like you know, you look at like Louis or Bill, and they can go anywhere. Yeah, and kill the thing that- without compromising what they do. At either place. Exactly. Exactly. When I started doing comedy, I used to have a typed out set list. And the bits that were in italic were my alt bits. Uh. And the bits that were in regular font were my club bits. Mm -hmm. I could do club at at the alt rooms, but I couldn't do alt at the club. And then I was like, my goal is to have the whole thing just Mm -hmm. be in italics. Yeah, I I still can't. There are still certain bits that I don't do at clubs. Sure. Or I don't try. They were, they were, uh, a very funny comedian, Dave Ross, has a bit about... I don't want to ruin his bit. Yeah, don't do his bit. I'm not going to do his bit. But he had a bit that was just like so open and honest and explorative and kind of mm-hmm. like vulnerable. And it was a little like homoerotic. That's all I'll say. Like it was mm-hmm. like definitely gay friendly. You know what I mean? And he did it at the Ice House for... It was like date night. It was mm-hmm. all guys with girls. And he's up there telling this very personal story. And I was like... I literally, I, I, I was surprised that it came out of my face, but I was like, you can't do that bit here. I was like, it's a great joke, but mm-hmm. it, you'll scar it. You'll start doing it, and you'll only remember how this crowd hated it, and it'll start to hurt it? the bit. Did you do it? He had already done it. Mm-hmm. it and uh, I, was just, I was just like, I, I'm a believer that if you uh, do something that isn't right for the venue, it'll hurt it. And then the next time you do it, you'll just have the memory of it. Okay, can I make it weird now? Yeah. You've probably talked about stand-up with other people on here, yep. about similar people like me. Sure. Maybe people are bored of hearing about it. Which part? This, what we've just been doing, going through like what alt versus stand-up is. Yeah, that's true. This has not This has come up maybe once or twice. Oh, okay. Okay. You grew up rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did that feel? How did that feel coming out of your face? Pretty good? You've been sitting on that one. That was the big bullet. You just... You just shot your big silver bullet. <laughs> hey, man, fuck comedy. There's some people listening to this that are comedians and they love it, and they're, you're absolutely right. And there are people that hate different segments of this show. Sure. So let's, get, let's make it weird. It's not weird enough to have us sitting around talking about comedy. Good call. Okay. Is this your show? You son of a bitch. It kind of is. You son of a bitch. Uh, so you grew up rich. I've been to your house, mm-hmm. and you have a black toilet. That's like a... A uh, sign of wealth. Sign of wealth. Mm-hmm. I've been to other uh, wealthy Jewish families. I love the black toilet. Gotta have them. <laughs> Don't see the skid marks in the toilet. Yeah, you kind of see them more if you have one of the lighter ones. <laughs> a light black toilet? 
<laughs> no, I meant the shit. Oh, oh, if you got one of them, those white ones. <laughs> if you have a real black Pepto Bismol you shit, you're not you gonna see anything. Yeah, but if you got one of those, just like, just like a maggot filled shit. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> then you're really gonna see the maggots. Is that right? anyway? Mm-hmm. Your home has like original paintings of the family. Like they're not photographs. Painting. There's a painting of your fucking. There's a por- I don't think that that's definitely a sign of wealth, but it seems to be. It is. There's a portrait done of my family when I was probably like eleven, and yeah. I hate it. Really, all of us, all the kids hate it. It was poorly done. <laughs> the woman came over to the house like. 15 times to take photos of us and then she went and drew the painted this portrait and it sucks like my sister's eyes are too close together i'm in profile because i think i was giving such sour faces to her that they had to you know i was thinking about this yesterday i was talking to my mom i was talking to my mom and nobody it's amazing. Like, if a stranger was as nice was as nice to me as my mother was, uh-huh. I'd be like, "This stranger's amazing." And my mom makes my blood boil. Yeah, like I could, could cook pasta with my blood. <laughs> <laughs> I might end up in the act. I thought of this morning. I might That's end great. up in the act. That's great. But it, it just it, anyway. I wouldn't bo- be bothered if something you said came up in the act. So your mom. What's going on there? What do you mean? Which is lovely, but just parents. There's something about parents. I, under, I was just talking to somebody about this. It's like uh, you changed your mother's hip structure. Mm-hmm. Like you fucked her shit up coming out of her, and mm-hmm. now I, it's a burden to call every Sunday. It's so it's so crazy. And my parents are lovely. Yeah, um, really lovely, supportive, really amazing people. And yet they so they have the ability to drive me up a wall. Yes. Like I went home for Thanksgiving, and my mom was just giving a toast. She put together a Thanksgiving for like. 40 people and she just wanted to get up and say like i love you to everybody for like two minutes and i was like get me the fuck out of this room i'm gonna go i need to go punch a pillow (laughs) why i don't know because you've known her so long i guess so you're embarrassed by her i guess so but it wasn't even like i had any friends there who i was like oh can you believe this (laughs) it's the same thing my my it's hard for me uh at thanksgiving to hear my mom's uh prayer you yeah. know what I mean? There's just something like where I'm just kind of like, I yeah, know and that's part of it too. Everyone hates this prayer, yeah. or, or I'm looking at my relatives, thinking they hate the prayer, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I'm uncomfortable that like there's Thanksgiving that I'm there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm like, oh, this is really awkward. I've abandoned you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that so, but you do have uh, money. Mm-hmm. I thought you're. De- I, I don't know. I actually didn't research you because we're good enough friends, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I thought your dad owned Viacom or something. No, not at all. What is that? What is he? What what happened with your dad? My dad. Where's all this green coming from? Uh, my dad started a business like forty years ago, doing like um, uh, corporate investigations and stuff uh-huh. like that, risk mitigation. And he and my brother are working together now, um, and uh, he is creating a new ratings agency, a credit ratings agency. After the crash of in '08. With the mortgage crisis and all that stuff, uh-huh. um, because of all these mortgage-backed securities. Oh, that those was the, ratings! The ratings that like Moody's I saw that and Fitches movie. Yeah, all the Moody's and Fitches, like all those ratings that were like, yeah, AAA, AAA, AAA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was like, oh no, there's nothing behind these. Yeah. So my dad and and brother are still doing the classic, you know, investigations business, but also started a ratings agency to compete with. You know the inefficiencies of like the Moody's and Fitches of the world. Okay, that's cool. So the cool thing about what my dad did, I mean, I think is that 
it's a lot of good good work about you know helping folks anti anti corruption. I mean, helping folks still for companies, but like anti corruption, anti right. You know things like that. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Why did I think he owned a, a network? Maybe that's like no, a, my a one, hater rumor, a rumor. Yeah, I mean that that would make sense. I mean, my one, the one thing that I was like, yeah, I grew up wealthy, but with no no connections within Hollywood or, uh-huh. or inter media or entertainment. Because uh, this, this is a little weird. When I came to New York, mm-hmm. I came from Chicago, and everyone was a stand up, but we all had jobs. Mm-hmm. And then I came to New York, and you and Mulaney and, and Klein, all the, were some of the first people that I met. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, I think maybe I asked John, I was like, what does Nick do? Mm-hmm. Like, surely he's a waiter as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're all waiters. Mm-hmm. And and you were the first person I met. Oh, and it wasn't. And it, the answer wasn't that you were living off your family. The answer was that you were like a commercial actor. Yeah, that you were the first guy. You were one of the first guys I knew that was doing it. Yeah, you know what I mean, like making his own hour, doing mm-hmm. something creative. I mean, I definitely had the advantage of knowing, like, when I came to New York, I had jobs for like the first year or two, mm-hmm. um, and then and I wasn't like taking money from my family, but I had the. Knowing that, like, I think I was probably still under my like my mom's health insurance and stuff. Like, there sure. were advantages of having a family with money that afforded me like not having to worry about every single bill to pay. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But I think I I, I was started to pretty quickly within like a year or two was do like it was really radio voiceovers. Yeah. Like McDonald's radio commercials. I did McDonald's voiceover yeah. and stuff. Yeah. You sure. did a bunch of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's really interesting. I, I always used to say it's not, or I read this somewhere and it resonated with me at that time because my parents are pretty well off as well. And I was, it's not our parents' help that helps us. It's the idea that they would help us, that mm-hmm. helps us make bigger, choices. But you can make choices. bolder choices because you know that you have, a, you have something to fall Safety back net. on. Yeah. If you really fuck up, you're not going to be homeless. Correct. Whereas you and I both have friends in this industry that if they fuck up, they're going to be homeless. Right. Or they're going to live with their friends. Yeah. Or they just, yeah, there's, there's more... That, that's enabling. That's that Janine quote that she said, like, that everybody talks about going to L.A. with $20 in their pocket. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, in your other pocket is a credit card that goes to your parents. Uh-huh. I'm a little embarrassed to admit that I had a credit card that went to my parents for longer than I ought to have. Right. And I don't know. I mean, in the end, it's I, I'm grateful for the I'm grateful for the financial and emotional support that was offered to me in various forms and taken in certain cases. But you know for me it was it's like at the end of the day if you're if you're funny yeah and you work hard i know people who are very funny who don't work very much and people who work hard who don't work very much yeah that that is something that i've been talking about lately and it applies to basically anything you need to have both talent and dreams you know mm-hmm. what i mean you need to you need to have the work ethic and the and the desire and, the, and all that sort of stuff and one without the other doesn't work have we sufficiently justified our privilege now Ah, I'm interested because we did come from privilege, and this is a new model of of comedy. We're supposed to be from miserable homes. Right. Uh, we're supposed to be broke and sad and and yelled at and smashed. Right. And you and I both probably had uh, Nintendo when it first came out. Uh huh. When it was 150 dollars. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot. I have never wanted Nintendo. No, I've never wanted for anything. Yeah, but we but then you do because life is relative and bizarre, and even with privilege. But you and, want for other things. Sure, I wanted recognition, and I what, what I did is, it, is that too uncomfortable to say? No, but it's as if you were like Harry Belafonte. I don't know who that is. Uh, like the, one of the first black 
you know, uh, you mean like a noble stars. type of, oh. like I wanted recognition for the work I was doing and you were just like an eight year old who like wanted recognition. <laughs> uh, well, I, I felt like it was hard to get as much attention as I wanted in my family, even though I got copious amounts. I still, I still felt myself. By the way, wanting you should more. learn who Harry Belafonte is. Yeah, that's probably one of those. Embar- Here come the at replies. <laughs> you don't like "Here come the at replies." I don't mind. I, that's, it made I think you about pull it. away both times. No, I was trying. To, I was, pulled away. I was thinking about who, how I would describe Harry Belafonte. Your thinking face like mm-hmm. defaults to kind of like a "I'm mad at you" face. Like mm-hmm. when you when you're just like, "How am I going to describe it?" You look like mm-hmm. you're like, "I can't be friends." with Oh, this that's guy. interesting. Yeah. We should work on that. I've been told when I listen to voicemails, it looks like I'm getting horrible news. <laughs> like, like my, brow. Yeah, my face is just... I don't know why I have to focus so intently just to hear like, hey, it's the gas company. We'll be by tomorrow. I'm just like... To hang out. What? Who's sick? <laughs> ah! Uh, so money... Uh, yeah, Robin Williams is one of those guys that grew up uh, with privilege as well. In a super I mean, I would argue that a huge amount of artists from the beginning of time came from privilege art is a is a f- largely to me a function of the leisure class and the people who had the time to be like i want to be an artist yeah you know i'm it's a- like you know i mean there are i've tons of people of various origins who were just like no this is in me and it has to come back and i'm inc- always incredibly impressed by that because i'm like because they really took risks like mm-hmm. whereas but i think it's easier to be an artist when you when you have that safety net you know absolutely and some of those people make it and some of those people don't um because in the end, you have to have the work ethic to follow through on it to succeed. Right. Um, but but I do think artists in general, comedians are a part of that, Are especially now. I mean, I think if you look at comedy now, you'd see a ton of people from middle to upper middle class upbringings who yeah. are writers and performers. It, it feels like we're in decent who, company. Who else has the time to consume a ton of media and process it and then go to college to fill out the whole thing and then right you know i mean obviously people there are all types of people well that's actually interesting because in college even though i don't use my degrees per se mm-hmm. that is where i started being like oh, i'm gonna do an improv team or i'm gonna start mm-hmm. doing stand-up and it was because i was in a community like a summer camp style community yeah. where i could get audiences and stuff sure and that is a privilege that is a privilege to go to college sure. that's something i'm grateful that i got to do mm-hmm. so you're absolutely even though you right. went to a weird christian college even though i went to a weird christian college <laughs> we've covered that from time to time but even there, it's so easy. I was I was Kevin Bacon teaching the kids how to dance. If you, if you said, what the hell, you were like a super rebel. People right. were like, Pete has no fear of damnation. <laughs> People were like, oh. Uh, there was no, I might as well have been chewing a toothpick leaning on my motorcycle. You know what I mean? Like I was a badass in my Christian college. I picture, I, was like, you, I picture you leaning on a motorcycle and then tipping over because you're so big. <laughs> <laughs> that is me. Yeah. There is something very true about me. If I were to try to do something cool like you're like if Kevin Bacon got like like a thyroid problem. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you were so roasty? I had Jesselnik on, and he was he was more kind. Yeah, well, we got to go against type. I'm just kidding. Uh, let me see. Maybe, oh, maybe he's just not as quick as me. That's also possibly true. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> He's, he's Here fucking, come the at reply. I'm kidding. No, he's crazy funny. Did you know that you wanted to be a comedy person? Because when I was a kid, speaking of that leisure, speaking of that boredom that mm-hmm. I had that was afforded to me because I wasn't worried about what I was going to eat mm-hmm. or where I was going to sleep or go to school and all that sort of stuff. I'm talking about being a little kid. That's when I started doing that Martin Short thing, going back to the fuck <laughs> fake career. Uh-huh. And you seem like the kind of person that might have done that as well. I had a, I had a very clear idea that I was like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian. No, I didn't know that you could, like, weirdly, I didn't know that you could be a comedian. Like, I watched SNL 
like I remember like watching Mike Myers and Wayne's World and be like, that's what I want. Yeah. Um, and I had delusions of, you know, like I, I lived in Wyoming for a couple summers and drove, uh, I was working at a restaurant that Harrison Ford would come to and I drove him to and from the restaurant. I was like, I hope he discovers me and makes me, you know, something. Yeah. But I wasn't really aware that you could be like a comedian. Yeah. That people, that, that was a viable career. Well, that didn't come until college. For me, right. the idea that, oh, that could be a choice. I, yeah, I don't know why I just was like, I just didn't know, I didn't know anybody who was, who had become like an actor or, or you know, writer really growing up. I just right. didn't know it was like, I, I, I can't explain it. The truth is, I didn't think about what I was going to do when I grew up, really. I mean, I think I quietly was like, I want to be a famous comedian. Right. But I don't actually think I knew that you could do that, or I just didn't think about it. Just like you, you didn't know. have the vocabulary to put that yeah, together. Just like, or now that I'm like 33, I was never like I'm gonna get married and have kids. Right. I just never thought about it. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of was. Yeah. But you, it's funny. Speaking of uh, who was it? Who were you driving around? You just said it. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Pretty awesome. Uh, you also. You, you have a certain tenacity about you. Mm-hmm. I was just speaking to somebody about this. Whereas uh, you were in an open mic and Bill Murray mm-hmm. was at the bar. So it's like a downstairs mm-hmm. open mic. And, uh, I'm going to save this story for panel, but we can touch on it. Ah, <laughs> panel on a, on a late night show? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't think it's going to spoil it. <laughs> I think I we'll be okay. Yeah, I think, I think we'll be okay. This will be a good, uh, be a good uh, dry run. Um, but you have this thing in us. Most of us would see Bill Murray and be like, that's terrifying. Actually, I think part of me would do what you, you would did. Do, you would, you I would I do it somewhere. too. And I think that's partly a privilege of like, I deserve this. I deserve to do yeah, this. Yeah, some sort of weird entitlement. Mm-hmm. But you went up to Bill Murray and you were like, would you please watch my set? Yeah. And he did. He, for like five people in, in B3, which is like a, was a great, useful open mic for us. But, you know. In the basement of a bar. You were open micing it. For like five or six people at like 11.30 on a Tuesday night. And you asked Bill Murray. I've been doing stand-up like six months. Comic legend Bill Murray, clocking in under a year, Mm -hmm. would you please watch me? I remember that hunger and that fire. I thought I was ready for Letterman six months, and I was like, this is ridiculous. I I should be doing this now. Really? And it makes me angry. Actually, when I go back to places like home, Mm -hmm. where I I remember what it felt like to be really small and Mm -hmm. not have access to any of the things I wanted to do, including just simple things like stage time, Mm Uh, it drives me crazy. I, 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 it was very unpleasant for me yeah. starting out and being like, I know what I want so badly and I don't have it. Yeah. And that, that's, a, that's good. That's like a hunger and a drive. There's also the weird other side to it, which is entitled yeah. and kind of snotty. And I get that. We're not surgeons. We're comedians. Mm-hmm. But I kind of admire that you asked Bill Murray to watch you. And I just ate it. I, I mean, I froze up. And I've never really frozen up on stage before oh, bef- before or since. And I wow. just ate it. And, and uh, he, could you see him? Was he lit? I could see him slightly, and I tried to apologize to him from stage. Ah. It sucked. It was terrible. And then I got off stage and was like, thanks for watching me. And he was like, mm-hmm. And he left. He just, he just said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sad. Yeah. But it was, Did you it know, hurt your feelings, or were you just kind of like... I was just like, at first it was... I mean, I was with... And Mulaney was there. I'm trying to think of who else was there. Romy Rome was hosting. Romy Rome. Uh-huh. And uh, I can't remember if there was someone else there. Maybe Roger Hales was there. I'm uh-huh. not sure. And then a good they were all like, they were all like, I was like, I can't believe I just did that. And they were like, no, it was cool. You took a chance, you know. 
It's all part of the narrative that we then create for ourselves. Yeah. Like, no, I took a chance. I, you know, I bombed, but I took my shot. You know? Right, right. And in retrospect, it's like, yeah, I took my shot, and I kind of like that. But then also it's like, no, learn when to take your shots. Absolutely. Take your shots, but know when those right times Never are. Never open your mouth till you know what the shot is. Yeah, so. Really? Yeah. Glenn Gary, Glenn Roth's one of my favorite movies. Mm. But you, you, you oh, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. You're Nick Kroll. You're on the television show, The League of Their Own. <laughs> Fuck you, learn the name of my podcast, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm kidding. So you're sitting at a bar now, mm-hmm. and uh, someone comes up and says, will you watch me do mm-hmm. five minutes? Would you go down? Would, do you have a pay it forward oh, interesting. sort of thing? I probably, uh, now that you bring it up, it would. I mean, any of you aspiring comedians out there? Ah, <laughs> uh, you're going to, yeah, I, it's weird because you might get in trouble. I talk about, like, I like to reply to emails. I like to give people advice if they want it, uh-huh. that sort of stuff. And then sometimes I worry that it's going to make an influx. It doesn't. It doesn't. Don't worry Nobody about it. Nobody really cares. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening. People, um, people are on ellipticals and they're just thinking that you sound like Jeff Goldblum. Up yeah. high. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't. I think I look so like Jeff reluctant. Goldblum. You can do them, though. I can do them. Jurassic Park. We were backstage, and he played Six Degrees of himself. Well, it's, yeah, it's called it's called like the movie game. He made this game up. Uh, he uses it on set as a tool, I think, to stay out of his own head in between in between. Oh, setups. interesting. So he used to do scenes from plays. He would rehearse scenes from other plays while he was shooting to keep him just to keep him out of his, on his heels. Yeah. And then now he plays the he does the movie game where it's like uh, oh so it's like yeah. an extension of nerves it's an extension of nerves or it's just a way of staying focused or not focused on other things uh, okay. okay so Pete Holmes or, yeah, yeah well, it, it was such a delight yeah. I love when celebrities are aware enough of themselves that he, he is. knows I mean, that's that, the joy one of the great joys of him is that he's quite aware of who he is yes and and so we would be playing and he's and you just the game is you name a movie someone and then and then you name someone else let's play it I'll, I'll be Goldblum and we can play the game okay over. how's it start it starts with a, any movie uh, uh, or, a, or an actor okay Bruce Willis okay uh, uh, yeah Die Hard okay. Die Hard yeah. with yeah. Alan, uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman goes to Harry Potter. Harry Potter with uh, yes, yes, with yes. Uh, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, English patient. English patient. English patient. Yes, with uh, Kristen uh, Scott Thomas. I don't. I don't know who okay. that is. Kristen okay. Scott Thomas. Okay, she's a. Uh, 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 <laughs> Gosford Park, okay. We got yeah, I, Ryan Gosling, or no, no, uh, Ryan Phillippe. Ryan Phillippe, yeah. which w- he was in. Uh, <laughs> what is that movie with Chris Cooper? I don't know. Uh, yes, uh, 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 Cruel Intentions. Uh, Let's go to Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. To, uh, 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 legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. Yeah. <laughs> and then if it gets back to him, which I was trying to, yeah. he'll do it himself. He'll go, go, uh, he'll go to a Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. fully aware that it delights everyone. Yes, we literally were backstage at and we applauded. It was, it was wonderful. Best. It was wonderful. So anyway, I'm sorry. So you're at a bar. Uh, some kid comes up to you and says, will you watch my set? Nick I think Roll. I'll just be like, if I'm sitting in a bar alone or I'm doing nothing at a bar, then um, perhaps then I would, I would, it's paying it forward. And I would, I would watch if I'm in a conversation with someone I want to be in a conversation with. Yeah. Then I will not do it. Because sure. I'm in a conversation with someone I want to be in a conversation or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's, it's all circumstantial. Yeah. I was, in retrospect, it's crazy because Bill Murray is sort of notoriously difficult and um, 
obstinate in yeah. how and what he does and how he talks to people. And so, you know, something about it clearly was like, oh, well, that's kind of a ballsy thing to do. And where I'm right. just having a drink with my son or whatever it is. I mean, oh, yeah. he wasn't alone. No. Oh, he was with, I think, his son. Wow. Yeah. That's bold. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's part of that narrative of like, what's your, you know, I guess we're, I think we're always creating, creating our story about how we want to be perceived. And then, and then we structure that story based off. It's like the stories within your family of like, remember the time the dad did this and this is how he talked to mom or, right. or like grandpa was in this business or this is, you know, and it's like, and we just create these narrative structures that, you know, justify whatever our viewpoint in the world is. It's interesting. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Very interesting person. <laughs> this is the kind of famous you are. We were on Hollywood Boulevard two nights ago, mm-hmm. three nights ago, and uh, some kind of broish looking guy came up and said, "Hey, I know who you are," <laughs> and then kept walking. Yeah. Wow. How's that going? How, uh, I'm, I'm interested in people that are just I'm right just at the, one I'm leg in that over sweet the fence. Spot. I'm, re- I'm in the sweet spot right now. Yeah. I'm in that sweet spot where some people know who I am and people are oftentimes nicer to me, um, but it's not in any way impeding my life. Yeah. Uh, so I would like in an ideal world, this is the sweet spot where I would love to one stay. leg over the fence. Yeah. But like still a completely unobstructed, you know, day to day life. Right. You don't have to worry about going to the grocery store. Yeah. 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 The airport might be a little different. Uh, no, I mean, and people are so lovely. People are just cool and yeah. Um, but it, uh, I don't envy. I don't now that I see the other side of it through some friends, and I don't. I do not envy fame. Yeah, it's interesting though that we we're kind of. It's such a cliche, but like we're chasing it to a certain extent. Yeah, and then everybody knows that once you get it. Yeah. We're just supposed to sit oh, there and be monkey. like, I don't like it. It's monkey's paw shit. It's monkey's a prison. Paw. It's a monkey's paw. Like, what is that? Edgar Allan Poe? It's like, is that the, one the monkey's paw? Right. I don't care. Do you remember that story? What is the story? Monkey's paw. It's basically the moral is just like, be careful what you wish for because then you get it. And it's like, I can't remember. It was like, he wanted a monkey's monkey or monkey's paw. And he ends up chopping off his hand. I can't remember what the fuck it is. Okay. But it's basically like, just be careful what you, and it is, it's like every super famous person that we know or talk to is like, it's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> and, and that's what we're all shooting for. Yeah. To but there is that sweet it. spot where, where you can do work that you are proud of. Yeah. All I want to do is get paid to do the work that I want to do exactly as I want to do it. And, and I, and I, I would be lying if I didn't say that it's, it's, it's fun for people to recognize and appreciate you. Sure. But it, but I wonder if this is the sweet spot. Yes, it is. Indeed it is. I wonder if it will alleviate social anxiety or increase it. It increases it. Because I mean, it alleviates in a certain way where I was at a party the other night and I was like, I can sort of like, I blasted through a crowd. Like normally I'd be like, eh, I got to excuse me. I just, I'll wait right. for you to. And then I was like, I'm like, I'm coming through in a way that I was like, it was a, it was a, a comedy joke. party where I was like, was this funnier day? Yeah. Yeah. It was a funnier die party. And I was like, eh, I, people here know who I am. Cause it's a funnier die party. Right. And I'm not going to be a dick, but I am just going to be like, I'm coming through and in people a fun way. in a fun way. And people, and people are like, like Oh, it. it's like, it's like, a, cause it's the beauty of that moment is, of the weird thing and the cool thing about levels of fame is like it's as if everybody knows you 
Mm-hmm. So, like a friend. I was just talking to Marin about this at a, at the party the same night that I didn't go to the Funny or Die party. Mm-hmm. We were hanging out. We were talking about how like there is a weird desire doing this podcast, doing his podcast is a weird desire for people to know you. Mm-hmm. But then also like your your other your monkey paw thing, you're kind of like you don't know me, but you want to be known. Like you want you I like the idea of going to a party and having people kind of already have a sense of you mm-hmm. feels like a leg up socially that you could be yes. more comfortable. But then it's also the other side of that is does it relieve social anxiety is then you you theoretically feel eyes on you and you can't just be a, another person. Right. We were talking about this sexually. Right. Let's make it weird, man. We don't have to get specific, but the idea, let's take someone like uh, Daniel Tosh, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're Tosh and you do college, and you're like, oh, he must be neck deep in vagina, right? Yeah. And then it's got to com- be a complicated... It's, com- it's a complicated endeavor, but it's also the most personal and the most interesting aspect of that for me is that while you're, you go back to somebody's room or you go back mm-hmm. to the hotel or whatever, and now you're with Daniel Tosh, and we could take him out of it. You're with this famous person. But yeah, it doesn't matter who the example is, but it's like... Whatever you do is going to be... There's, te- there's text messages, there's photos, there's videos. There's Facebook. And there's there's Twitter. There's, your dick is going to be described to people. <laughs> and your performance. And if you fucking did something weird or wrong. Right. or And we were saying, God help you if you like lose your erection or mm-hmm. something. Fucking, and this is not about Daniel Tosh, but I'm just saying, this celebrity guy couldn't perform. Everyone's going to know about that in this small community. Right. Or, or that's the fear whether it's true or not. Whether it's true or not. It doesn't matter what the truth of it is. If Once that's in your, stuck in your head... You know that that's a part of the experience. I rip off your bit all the time in Thank conversation. You. Thank you. I always credit you. What is it? Which is sex is for stupid people. <laughs> and I believe me. Look, I love people. I'm not saying stupid in a bad way, and I'm not applauding us for being these tortured geniuses or whatever. I'm not uh-huh. even saying that. I'm just saying for you and I, we've talked about this, and you have a brilliant bit about it. Is that sex? It's hard to shut your brain off. You know what I mean? I, I mean? The bit is just simply that I think dumb people are better at sex. Dumb people are better at sex. If you can just focus on your carnal mammal side, if mm-hmm. you're allowed to just shut it off and mm-hmm. be like, I want you, this is your bit. I want me and you. Mm-hmm. I want you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's you and me, the retards in this example, mm-hmm. that go, why does she have a Picasso poster? <laughs> right. That's your bit. That's his bit. Right. I say it's all a, the time. It's a part of the bit that I abandoned because it didn't work in clubs. It's not really relatable. <laughs> If you want to get on stage, as I have, I used to have a bit, I don't really do it anymore, about how I get up in the morning and my girlfriend wants to have sex and I, and I don't have to get up. She mm-hmm. has to go to work and I don't. Mm-hmm. And I have to weigh sex versus sleep. Mm-hmm. And sleep would often win. Mm-hmm. And people, people would be like, fuck that, fucking is the best. You know what I mean? Because we're wearing our audience masks and you're on a date and you're like, no, fucking, yeah. I like fucking more than sleep. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Sometimes you just want, want a little more sleep. Yeah. You can go, your brain will be like, now you're on Pandora, the avatar planet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Keep that dream going. Where you fucking... A blue chick, right? Yeah, guys? right? Two fucking blue chicks. Right? Come on, man. But I love that bit. Is that something you must really experience that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I we're think, not fuck guys. Right. That's what Melania and I said. Right. I think that. I mean, I think that I I like to believe that sex is a much more complicated endeavor than the way the general societal conversation about it is. Interesting. So, like, whether it's like why is Viagra able to buy like you know the most expensive commercial real estate on tv it's because it's being used and why are there crazy amounts of porn sites um you know involving various levels of 
bizarre degradation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it, no, I think it is much more complicated. And I think it is, and it, it might just be the older I get and the older we get that it's, it's like, it's not as, it's not as cut and dry as like, let's just go bang. Mm. Um, and I think cause like, you know, because you're seeing the Picasso poster. I guess so. I mean, I think it just depends. And I also, there, there's different moments and times in life, you know, um, and any number of things are connect to it. Right. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I, so I, I think it's, a, and I think the, the more intelligent, sentient being you are, uh, I think the more of a complicated thing sex is. Yeah. Um, and that, and I also think just generally that we grew up in a time, I think, you know, oh, this was, was in your movie. This is in the movie, just like about you know, a good old fashioned orgy. Orgy that you know, it's like we grew up. We grew up with that AIDS was super. We were the generation that grew up like when we were kids. I love that I part like, of the movie. AIDS is super real. Yep, and you need to be careful. And it was like, the same thought when we were being told about sex. The breath that was inhaled next was used to tell us that sex might kill us. Yeah, that's what happened. You throw in, you throw in a, a morality, you throw yeah. in a sex is evil, then you're really fucked. Yeah, so I think it's just, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a complicated thing, and, I, and whether it's morality or it's um, actually then <clears throat> coming to an, a time in your life where you're like, well, it's not just this uh, empty act, it's a tied to a bunch of other things, you know, whether this is a relationship or what, what this means going forward or how I'm being perceived or, or mm-hmm. how I'm perceiving you, all those things. So... Uh, I don't know if that answers your question. No, I. It's funny. I'm kind of like a girl in that sense, and I've said this many times. Where if I'm having sex, I'm kind of like, "What does this mean? What does this mean to her?" Mm-hmm. It's like I'm playing poker. What's my hand? Mm-hmm. What's your hand? Mm-hmm. What do I think you have? Mm-hmm. And what do I think you think I have? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at it on like five levels instead yeah. of just being like, "Well, I this think is the prob- fun." <laughs> I mean, I think the problem for us is <clears throat> is also. <clears throat> Um, Are you trying to signal to me? <clears throat> no, I'm trying to clear my throat. <laughs> is as performers, I think probably sex for us is another performance of like, oh, how am I doing? Yeah, you know, versus like dummies who are just like, Ugh. right, um, right. And I also thought one more thing. I think the other time is that. So I think the really smart people it can be a more complicated thing, or it can be an incredibly uh, erotic thing because it's a it's understanding that sex is really a game of minds yes and so that there are some probably very smart people out there who um know how to get off intellectually get or get people off intellectually i believe that's true you know but that that's that's hard to do with a stranger that's why i'm a relationship person and that's why like i have a hard time uh having sex and being like do we look in the eye you know what I mean? Uh, what is? It? How much kissing are we doing? Like what about how we... the brown eye? <laughs> and of course, you do look at the eye, but it's a little weird if you're not in love mm-hmm. to do the thing for people who are in love. It's weird. You're kind of faking it. Where or <clears throat> or again, it's a psychological thing of like I'm looking you in the eye. You know, now I'm looking you right in the eye. Yeah, you are. You're getting a little chubby. It's half mask. <laughs> Yeah, um, but it's you know you're I'm looking you in the eye because we are I'm confident in my connection to you whether it's love or whatever it is interesting that I'm looking you in the eye you know that there's a confidence it's a, it's really no different I mean it's very different from stand up it's similar it's similar but they're similar of my belief is like you know with stand up the one lesson I've learned is like you want all people want to feel like is that they're being 
that everything's going to be taken care of. And yes. I'm not saying like women just want to feel like they're, but I'm saying like nothing, nothing gives an audience more joy than being like, this guy knows what he's doing and yes. we're going to be fine. And Bill I think Cosby, that, the pilot can't come on and say, I'm going to try to land the plane. Right. You land the plane. So did he say that? Yeah. That's one of oh, my that's favorite quotes. Point. And this comes up. In fact, I censor myself because it comes up so often in my own thinking, mm-hmm. how sexual standup is. And it is weird. And, and you're right. Not all women or want how, it this way. Or how standup is sexist. <laughs> Is sexist? No, no. You're saying how sexual stand-up is, and I was saying how how stand-up is sexist. Yes, exactly. There is a performance. There is a confidence, and uh, Tarantino talks about in his uh, episode of Iconoclast that he relates his own creativity to the ability to get it hard, to get his dick hard, his creative dick hard. Oh, interesting. And then fuck his art, basically. Nah. And that, and I, and when he said that, that's that's a crazy person thought, and I saw it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, and that's weird. And that this is what comes up on the podcast a lot is that romantic uh, love and sex and all that sort of stuff is not complete, completely satiated. I would like to have a girlfriend. I'd like to have a wife, all that sort of stuff. But it's partially satiated by creative endeavors sometimes. Sure. It leaks into that barrel. Sure. And you go, oh, I did just... Uh, we have a hole that we're trying to fill. And sometimes, you know, you can fill that with your art. And then it would be it's be- love. I mean, it's better to fill it with both, I think. Yes, both exactly. <clears throat> both exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to ask if we could talk about this. You you went through a breakup and you're a single person. Mm-hmm. What is your philosophy? Do you want to get married? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've always assumed I would. That's interesting. I think I'm in the exact same camp where I'm like, when when pushed to it, I feel like a marriage person. I think that's like what's expected and kind of what I expect of myself. Right. Um, but I also, you know, I, I have no idea. I mean, I assume... I, I um, Yeah, I think... I think I I was like, oh, I like the idea of sharing my life with someone, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I, I don't, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I assume that at some point one, someone like me would get married. Yes. <laughs> God, you just said it perfectly. <laughs> so flatly. So it just came out of a fax machine and, and we all read it and you smell that like toner on it. Yeah. That was very uh, flatly put, but I think accurate. Someone yeah. like you would get married. So we'll see, but you know, who knows? Yeah. Do you, uh, this is the other troubling thought I've been wrestling with, with uh, the performers that come on the show is the idea that it's like a three way. It's like someone that's going to be with you mm-hmm. as a comedian is going to have to kind of like, hopefully enjoy the idea of comedy because it's this other it's not another love in your life but it's something you love mistress it's your mistress it's your guma comedy is my mistress your other memoir it's really bad (laughs) it's fully written though the other one's only partially yeah i mean yeah but i would assume that hopefully that that i would be a third wheel to whatever they're doing they're doing brilliant but I think in your case, you know, I think you want to be the focus. Well, that's not always always uh, true in my relationships. Mm-hmm. I like to give as well as I do like to receive. I don't make any qualms about that. Mm-hmm. I like being the center of attention. Mm-hmm. I like doing stand up. I like being rewarded. I like being praised. That's all true. <laughs> and those are things. Those are things to, that I value that we're supposed to feel bad about valuing. And I'm mm-hmm. here to say, fuck that. Mm-hmm. I enjoy those things. Mm-hmm. But in a relationship, I love giving. In fact, if they're not open to all the things that I want to give, it won't do it for me. Right. So I'll, I'll let them be the focus. And I would love to have 
uh, a wife or a partner that I could celebrate and enable and, and enjoy what they do. Mm-hmm. I sure do hope they like comedy, mm-hmm. but I sure do hope they also have their mistress <laughs> that I can be like, what are you into? Yoga? I don't know. I don't know what other people are into, but that's my guess. Yoga? Yeah, but, for, is it, so this is, but this is a good example. Is it yoga? Like, I want to show you, like, what other, what is other, what's something <laughs> else that one could possibly be interested in? I don't know. Yeah, I do. I do kind of know. But look, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to even be friends with somebody if they have a a direction and a calling. I mean, if your if your passion in life is comedy, then one would assume that the person you choose to share your life with will maybe not be equally passionate about it, but will have a a great understanding and sense of humor. Yes. It's like an, it's like and the classic idea of like a sense of humor, not necessarily that they're as funny as you, but that they there's a you know a awareness. They get it. Yeah, I I think I've said this before too. It's it's kind of like we're alcoholics, so it would be nice to date someone who drinks. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, it's like we're vegans, and it would be nice to go uh, out with somebody that likes vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They, they can enjoy ice cream and stuff. Uh oh, Terry Shavell. Terry Schiavo? I don't follow anything. That's a dead person? Yeah, she was in a vegetated coma for a while. Oh, that, yeah, that, that one. That one. I remember that one. Remember, guys? Your bananagrams? Bananagrams. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I, yeah, I think you want to, I mean, you have to deal with, you have to have someone who will put up with it. Uh, indeed. Mm-hmm. Indeedly doodly. Here's another weird thing. Mm-hmm. You're a good looking man. You're kind of say that. No, you are. And you're a sharp dresser. That I will agree with entirely. You make us all look like schlubs. <laughs> I go to the store. I don't go to the store. I try and go uh, WWKW. What would Kroll wear? Oh, really? I couldn't, I couldn't pull off what you wear. But, like, what's Bless going you. on there? That's interesting. It's, it has to be pretty deliberate. To uh, choose the clothes you wear? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> but, I mean, you don't even... Uh, you don't, I, I've never really seen you just rocking a hoodie or something or sweatpants. Oh, like, I, wear, I wear hoodies. Yeah, but they're like nice. They're, they're made of like wool. <laughs> you're your man of the people coat with a hoodie yeah, underneath yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that was a Nike hoodie. No, yeah. Yeah, I pay uh, attention to what you're wearing. Mer- it was uh, it was Nike. Urban Outfitters. I believe it was from Nike. Oh, I do have a black Nike hoodie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, again, dressing nicely is to me a sign of insecurity. Really? Yeah. Why? Because you're trying to dress up what you got. Isn't that a sign of like, I'm a grown person? I mean, I think there's both. I mean, there's like, I know what looks good on me, mm. or I'm, I will make, so I am confident that I can make a bold choice. Mm. But underlying all of that is, I need to look better. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm putting makeup on this, on this cow. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing? I think it's pig, but yeah, I yeah. like that. I like, I like that. pig too. I like that. But you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's you, funny. I, I, oftentimes in LA, especially if you go to like, uh, bars that we go to, you can, or you go to a party and you're like, all right, who's the best dressed guy in here? He is the least successful person in here. Really? I think so. But that doesn't add up with me. I consider you quite successful and you dress sharp. And whenever I've been at a party, especially if it's LA or senior or whatever, I'm like, you make me feel like just a fucking fat tard. Well, you're not fat. I've said tard twice. This you said retard earlier and yeah. you've, you've shortened it to tard. Um, I think um, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's all within our control. Yeah, um, and I and I believe that you know 
yeah, it's all within our control, and there are various versions of it. But but I would say, but like the best dressed guy in the room at you know at a bar, and they've got like the scarf, and they've got the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's just like oh, you don't you're not comfortable with who you are underneath all of this clothing and massage, and you you are literally dressing it up. Yeah, you're not doing almost always like. If you go to a room and you're like, all right, who's the head writer of that show? Who's directing that movie? And there's going to be a guy who's like wearing the right scarf and he's wearing like the cool, the coolest jacket and he's got the best shoes on. And then there's a guy in like, you know, cool kind of a skinny flannel and a, and a blue shirt, uh, you know, blue pants. Yeah. Like, it's I, that guy. That guy's directing the movie. Yeah. The guy with the fucking I've actually, hat and the yeah. scarf yeah. is like uh, a second AD. Yes. I've noticed that too. Actually, I never put that together. But on the show that I'm writing for, these directors like Andy Ackerman came mm-hmm. in and he directed a bulk of Seinfeld and mm-hmm. stuff. So I know he's doing quite well financially, mm-hmm. and he's he's rocking like Wranglers. Yeah, you know what I mean. He didn't look bad, but I, I definitely took note. And then you're right; there would be other people on the set, second ads, that mm-hmm. I'm like, "What's that guy's deal?" Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's, he's it's, it, that's kind of goes back to what we were saying about celebrities eating buffalo wings and stuff, <laughs> being like, "Yeah." The power I, comes from dre- from not caring what you wear. The power comes from being like, yeah, I'll eat some potato skins, and th- and this t shirt is right. uh, garbage. Right. Yeah. Right. And there are various versions of that. And I and I like to, I mean, I like to, uh, you know, I like to. I am aware of what I'm putting on my body, clothing yep. wise. But I think that kind of comes out of a place of insecurity. Yeah. Like I'm not on my own, good looking enough or whatever, you know, on it on its own to be to go unnoticed as far as what I'm wearing. It's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I, think, I think you're a sharp dresser. Thank you. What's the last weird thing? What is the last weird thing? Oh, I wanted to ask you this. Normally we talk about God. We'll, we'll tag that on at the end. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about people that talk about comedy too much, sometimes we do get comments that they're like, I'm tired of hearing about how everyone's an atheist. Atheist? Mm-hmm. No, I'm indifferent to it all. Oh, we get that sometimes too. I'm just like, <laughs> I, don't know where, I don't know where we go. Yeah, I'm not interested in the after. Like I'm just like I'm just like I'm here right now, and um, I understand the idea of faith and that it can be comforting and useful. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's you know some version of a force, probably life force. I guess so. Sure, I'm just indifferent to it. It's weird, you know. You mentioned Romy Rome, uh-huh. and I did this podcast uh, in New York mm-hmm. and said Romy Rome just mm-hmm. randomly. And then later that day, ran into Romy yeah. Rome on 7th Avenue. Yeah. I mean, picture 7th Avenue, hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. And I crossed the street, mm-hmm. and there was Romy Rome, yeah. whom I hadn't thought about in years. I was at dinner the other night with a group of with two buddies, and we were talking about relationships. And one guy was talking about an ex-girlfriend. And then he said her name again, and then she appeared. She walked right through past our table. Unbelievable. Um, See, it's... Part of our psychology, part of being a human, is pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. When we're trying to make artificial intelligence, we're trying to teach computers, one of the things to make them more human is to notice patterns mm-hmm. and adapt because of them. Uh-huh. They're probably pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things we do. We look for meaning. Mm-hmm. It goes back to seeing a lion, and he's running, and he kills a gazelle, and then he starts running towards us. And we're like, oh, the pattern is he runs towards things before he kills them, and then we run. Mm-hmm. It's to keep us alive. And also, when I say Romy Rome and then I see him, it's in my DNA. It's in our DNA to so, find purpose in that and be like, oh, I think there's something kind of mystical about that. It's more than a coincidence. Sure. How many times have you thought of a song and then it comes on the radio? My iPod does it all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll be listening to a song and I'm like, I have th- tens of thousands of songs. The song I'd like to listen to next, mm-hmm. boom, comes on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I don't weird. know what, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I, as far as God goes, I mean, this is all, I think, probably well-trodden territory, but it's like... Speak really, Nikki. Well, it's just like, whether it's patterns or or um, patterns you see or, I mean, any of the other, the number of things that people can ascribe to faith or belief or, you know, or science mm-hmm. or whatever, it's all, it's, they're just various words for something. For like a God sort of idea. Sort of, yeah. I don't believe in I don't believe in God in any capacity as the um like needy fourteen year old girl that the old testament <laughs> requires that we were like, You're amazing. Like, <laughs> really? Like, You're amazing. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> really? That is one of the weirdest things that I had to come to terms with in my own little crisis of faith mm-hmm. was the idea of God having preferences. Yeah. Seemed really strange to me. It's like I would like you to do this. Yeah, I don't believe that. And it at gives all. me displeasure if you don't. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. But I do believe. I do understand the idea of like because I've been thinking about Tim Tebow a lot as he's like becomes a crazy successful quarterback who's a crazy. Katie left, so I figured it was. Well, he's a, he was a football player from Florida who's now on the Broncos. He's his jersey sells more than any other pro football player, and he was not starting. He's not supposed to be a professional quarterback <laughs> skills wise. Yes, yet he has taken over that team, and they're like five and zero with him at the helm. He's throwing for like hundred yards a game, running for a hundred yards. He's not a. He's physically not on the same level as everyone, but he is a crazy faith-based Christian mm-hmm. who's very open and very vocal about it, and so he's a polarizing figure. But there is something to, and, and my family's version of Judaism of like my mom being kosher or whatever, there is some level of like what I do understand is like humbling yourself before something. Mm-hmm. The idea that Tim Tebow is like, I, it's both ways. And I think the un- the healthy ways to I humble myself be- be- below a greater power. I'm a professional football player, and then you understand it now. And you like see like someone wins an award, and they're like, I gotta thank God because it's like I am I am putting myself below something, even though I'm being exalted. Mm-hmm. Um, then, but the other side of that is God is watching over me in my lifeguard. game. He's my lifeguard, and and I, I don't believe that God is. Could or whatever it is is in any way interested in what anything that any of us are doing. Yeah, if there is some thing, that would, I don't believe that. But I do understand the idea of like, no, humble yourself below something at, before something. Were we talking about this because this feels familiar? The idea that you can't argue with the idea that being in service to something, lowering your head to something, mm-hmm. if it is God, mm-hmm. if it is a life force, or whatever you want to say, or if it's your fellow man, or whatever it is, yeah, fucking yoga or whatever it is. Ah! No, you are that. a sharpshooter. Yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, y- yoga. Oh, whatever it is. Whatever it is. You're in service to something. Yeah. And there's no doubt that that is beneficial to you spiritually. Yeah. I mean, to every, be filled with way. insane... There's no... There's no... I don't think there's any benefit to being filled with insane hubris in the yeah. long run. I mean, it could, in the short run, help you create some amazing art. Yeah. But you see it, I think, across the board with, like... You know, I mean, it's people in recovery, people, great artists or whatever, they will oftentimes find some version therein of, I'm a Buddhist now, I'm a Christian now, right. whatever it is, because, because I think like you, you fly too close to the sun yeah. and then you're like, oh, I need to, I need to bring this down a notch. Yes. Yes. That's so right. I, I think I don't, I don't personally do that, but I understand that with, especially with a guy like Tebow. 
it's both sides. He's both sides of it for me because I think he believes that God is guiding him yep. and is watching over him particularly. Yep. And I think that's retarded. I, I, yes. But I think the other side of that of like I humble myself below before somebody is good. Is good. And I also think you give him the ball at the end of the game. He has led like four or five fourth quarter like touchdown runs. And I believe that he believes that God is guiding him. And it's again, everything's under control. Yeah. Like sex or stand up. Yeah. He's like, everything is under control because God is with me. And I think the rest of that team is like, I think he believes that God is with him. And so yeah. I think we're going to follow him. <laughs> and they he's believe lo- it. And he's they looking it. his team in the eye while he fucks them. With faith. With faith. With his faith deck. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I'm yeah. glad we talked about that. I had the lifeguard God in my head for a long time, and that's, that'll start to drive you crazy. Yeah, I don't believe in that. Yeah, I understand that. It's very... Because very... that, to me, is, that is the opposite of humility. Yeah, it, it, it is sort of weird, the, the God creator of the universe. But then I used to say God is so big that it's not a big thing to watch every single one of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Who cares? He can do anything. Yeah. He's everywhere. Pantheism. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be pantheist. I'm a pantheist. <laughs> I'm a wet pantheist. Mm-hmm. I'm a seventh day pantheist. Mm-hmm. I only have sex on the seventh day. You son of a bitch. All, no, I make all them panties wet. Here, here, you God in heaven. What time is it? It's time to go. No, no, no. I want one more thing. You can we just, just oh, so yeah, you know, yeah, you can good. cut it down. Nobody should ever make a podcast longer than an hour. Nobody wants to listen to more than an hour of anything. You know what's so weird? I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Our average is 90 minutes, and so the last topic will be uh, God, often, mm-hmm. and people will be like, I love the God part, so I know people are listening through the end. Interesting. It's really weird. I thought for sure, no way. I still think you do 20 minutes less and finish with a God part at 60 minutes. I love that. <laughs> I love speaking your mind. Fuck me. That's great. That's I would nice. never do that. I could be talking, here's the difference, mm-hmm. I could be at a bar talking to my mother, mm-hmm. Very deep conversation. Someone would come up and be like, would you watch me do stand-up? I'll be like, yes, because I have no boundaries. And I would never critique you the way you just critique me, <laughs> even as a joke. And all I would That's do... particular to our, in our relationship, because I think you enjoy or get a kick out of I being do. critiqued. Because it do. means that you're the I get center attention. of attention. I get attention. Yeah, I love being roasted. I love being made fun right. of, because it requires It's an you, acknowledgement. It's recognition. It's recognition that I was talking about. And it's you employing something you know about me mm-hmm. and then throwing it my way. Right. I, I win twice. Right. And then uh, the added fun of it stinging and being funny is actually wonderful. Mm. Anyway, uh, the last thing is uh, you're, now I'm thinking the podcast. Fuck you, man. This Sorry, podcast buddy. should be longer. Uh, <laughs> you do characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two questions about that. Mm-hmm. Do you talk to yourself a lot? And uh, is there any hate in there? Here's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did Romano Sings, a video mm-hmm. that I did of Ray a hit, Romano, a hit video. It is a hit video. It never went that viral, but it's Romano Sings. If you Batman want. killed, Batman's killing it. Batman kills it because we went through college humor. Right. I feel like. Our other stuff is as good as Batman. I'm but not, they just have the distribution they, vehicle. That's go where go where the people are. Of course. And uh, thank you. I'm glad uh, you said that. The it's Batman funny. videos are it's a lot very of fun. Funny. We're doing more actually. It's like a Pete Holmes reel. What is the Batman video? You oh the voice one. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I did cross my mind. It is. It's I good. was like, yeah, this this will be good. It shows that I can do little voice. Sure, sure. Uh, so anyway. When I did Romano Sings, it came from me being on the road, and I've said this before, being crazy, losing my mind, sure. and talking to myself in these incredible characters. And when I see you do Fabrice or Bobby Bottle Service or something, I'm wondering how in touch with your insanity are you? And two, like those moments, quiet moments, late at night moments, mm-hmm. maybe you're hungover, maybe you're bored, lonely, long car ride. And also, if you can, in the answer, 
address the idea that it's a way to cope with neg- some negative feelings. Mm. If you see someone like Bobby Bottle Service and you're like, mm. this guy's a douche, and then you try him on, mm-hmm. it helps you understand him. It helps you kind of see what it's like. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm wondering um, if there's any hate in the people that you're doing. Um, probably. Um, they're prob- yeah, I think there's probably a lot of disdain. Um, but as far as the process goes, it's, it's largely... And I should do it more because, like, I'll be like, I'm going to do a show tonight, and I want to work on this thing, and I'll start talking work. And the more, and it's ridiculous that I don't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Is I will start talking it out out loud in my apartment or in my car, and be like, Oh, okay, here's this and this and this and this. And every time I do it, it's incredibly beneficial, and I don't do it enough. That's the story of every performer I know. Um, and um, the voice and stuff like that. It just depends. Um, uh, but I generally, if it's making me laugh, then I'm like, okay, that's, that seems to be the right way to go. And then as far as the characters go, I mean, sometimes they're, uh, it just, it all depends. Like sometimes they're, I have nothing to do with them. I have no knowledge of, you know, as I am like, you know, figuring out a new sort of like handsome cowboy, you know, (laughs) I have no disdain for that man and I have no, but it's just a funny voice and, and then a point of view of another time period. And I'm getting a kick out of that. And we're like Bobby or rich dicks. I mean, there's disdain, but then I also think that the term success of a character is, is actually like, is love, um, or, or the relatability of why they are who they are. And I think the success of a character is like, I hate that guy or, Oh, I'm so glad that someone's making fun of them and then quietly wanting to root for them. Yeah, that's great. So so you love Fabrice. Fabrice is a ridiculous character. Right. It's fun to see somebody like that. Fabrice is like the unfiltered. Fabrice is weirdly like, I don't, I'm not making fun of Fabrice. Like I'm making fun of Bobby bottle service. Right. That's true. Um, because I think, Fabrice is like a a gay-ish, although I, he, I don't, there's not a ton of sexual material about him, but yeah. like he's a gay Blatino who's like, God only knows how hard it was for him to grow up. <laughs> you know? So he's a... We do. We root for him. We care about him. Well, he's just so like his, his, his tongue is his unfiltered. This thing is, is, has been his protector. Yeah. I can't oh, believe I'm so talking great. about this. Like it's fucking... No, no, no. And those of you that don't know what we're talking about, check out Fabrice Fabrice on, on YouTube, man. It's one of my favorite things. And I, I've told you this before. It was one of the privileges to come up in New York and watch you do that some of the first times. It was awesome. Thank you. And I, and I still love it. And I've seen you do characters before, and they don't go anywhere, and then you kill them. <laughs> you take them into the back and hit them with your comedy hammer, yeah. and we never see them again. Yeah. Very rarely. It's true. <laughs> got a pretty good batting average. And you're a big fan of yourself. Say it. <laughs> Say it. I enjoy what I'm doing right now. You like the stuff you're doing. Yeah. I think that's essential. I think that... God forbid. God forbid you don't love what you do. I know. But, it's, but there are people that do their act and they're like, ugh. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, I think that's part of uh, my... It's become part of my persona. I so actively enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, which is dude, why I laugh at myself. What's, all the, stuff. what's the point? Yeah. Go do, do something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, Nikki Kroll. <laughs> I call you the king. And that's why. Thank you for doing it, man. Thank you for having me yeah well we're in your house you had us kind of so it's equal yeah you guys are gonna leave and i'm just gonna take a coffee dump coffee dump maybe give yourself a handy i'm gonna wait till this afternoon for that really open up up the laptop Lindsay lohan playboy i don't she doesn't do it for me if if i only masturbated to sad 
sadness. <laughs> That's what does it for you. Oh, God. Pure despair. Just like, oh, you know what turns me on is just American culture destroying someone. Oh, God, you're right. You're right. It's actually our parents. Yeah, and the culture. Uh, well, Nikki, <laughs> we end every episode with saying, uh, keep it crispy. It's up to you if you want to say it, but I sure do enjoy it. <laughs> I sure do. You sure do enjoy trying to create a movement? No, no, no. The movement exists. No, it I know you retweet it when, when it happens. Uh, no, that's not true. I, I swear <laughs> to God, I retweeted like two fans saying something, and you and Chelsea were both like, a lot of fan retweets, huh? It's like, no. Oh, come on. I'm trying to be friends with people. <laughs> Uh, so say, uh, keep it crispy. Do it. Crow <laughs> <laughs> pick crispy. That's good enough. Keep it crispy. Yeah, okay. Yes! Nikki Kroll. You Thanks, brought me man. coffee, so Nick- I'll say keep it crispy. Yes, I did. NickKroll.com. Nick Kroll on Twitter. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye, guys. bye, bye. Crispy. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com.